0: Hey everyone, we're back again with another episode of Beyond the Dirt Podcast. I'm Hunter Slifka and this is Neil Schaefer. And today I think we're going to talk about something that we do um, quite a few of. Um, And so I think we got some pretty good knowledge base um, on it. And if you haven't guessed it yet, we're going to talk about grass waterways. Um, We do a lot of these up in Howard County, um, just the way the land lays, um, the way the water flows and all that kind of thing. Um, It's kind of a really important practice, obviously we've talked about how many um, tons of sediment we can reduce down um, when All the nutrients we're holding back from the streams and stuff like that And so um, we're going to really get into the, the nitty gritty of it today And um, Neil's been been doing these waterways for 20 years now And it'd be scary to know how many feet of waterways you've actually built since you started um, <coughs> Someday when I do retire, which is a long way off
1: <coughs> I've kept track of every project I've worked on since I started here I've got a log of it um, might take a few days, but I'd like to add it up. Uh, just for um, comparisons of what we've been doing in the year, in 2020, the year that was uh, the COVID year, we spent a lot of time in the field. And uh, for whatever reason, um, we did a lot of waterways. We did 110 grass waterway projects with a total footage that equaled 30 miles. So, and that was in one, one year, one spring and fall construction season. So 30 miles in one year and in my watershed i have calculated that um in silver creek we've done um over 30 miles in the 13 years in just that watershed so um i think it would be considerable driving through the countryside you know you can't go a mile where i haven't seen a waterway that we've been involved with with the design and and uh working with the contractors and um funding those for the farmers so um yeah so i'm kind of excited i've been kind of hoping we talk about this last couple episodes. So, um, kind of got my way today that we're going to talk about waterways. So,
0: mm-hmm. and I mean, the questions always is, Oh, why, how do you do it? Or why do you do it? Or how do you get people interested in and stuff? I mean, honestly, <coughs> 98% of them are farmers that have come into us and said, Hey, I got this gully, um, I need to do some shaping to it and clean it up and stuff so I can still drive through it. And that's, that's ultimately where we're trying to get to at the end is we're trying to solve that gully erosion, create a nice shallow uh, waterway shape that they can still farm right across, they can plant into, um, and that sort of thing. So we're making sure the water is getting into it and it's, it's then flowing away safely and not creating that big gully washer and stuff like that.
1: Well, it's definitely my favorite uh, conservation practice. And I've always said it's kind of like the infrastructure of your farm. Um, it's just like building roads and things like that those concentrated flows of water um, which we, we call them ephemeral gully um, you've got a classic gully which is a different uh, type of gully and then you got ephemeral gully and then you also have real erosion real erosion um, r-i-l-l is when you have a lot of small cuts going across a, a long slope um, and usually with that um, it would be difficult to do grass waterways on it you'd have to do Um, Either a contour buffer strip or uh, uh, the CP43 strips or terraces. Um, But the waterways, um, you know, once we get those uh, concentrated flow areas treated, then, you know, then we start looking at the rest of the land. Um, And that's where we introduce people to the no-till and cover crops and things like that. But uh, to kind of back up to where this all started, I know, you know, like I said, I started back in uh, 21 years ago. And so when I went out, you know, obviously I was hired to work on buffer strips um, for CRP. Um, and then there was uh, that was like the first day we went out and we started showing me the, the grass buffer strips and stuff like that. Well, then uh, uh, Shereen Reese, uh, who works here, she, uh, she designs the waterways and stuff. And so I started helping her with those. I know well, that's pretty, pretty neat. We, we'd go out and you take flags. And we go out and you know identify the slope and the the gully, and then we put a flag every hundred feet to kind of get our line going. And uh, you kind of you know you can't always make them straight. We kind of straighten them somewhat, so we're not zigzagging across the field. But um, you know slow, um, you know just gentle curves to take the water across the field to a, a stable outlet. And so we started working on those, and I just thought, man, this is kind of neat because. You, you go out there and you see this, you know, gully that the farmer has been um, dealing with for years. And with the way the weather has been in the last few years, especially, you know, we don't get a half inch inch rain per week. It's you go six weeks without any rain, then you get a seven inch rain, especially in the most vulnerable times is in May and June when there's very little canopy out there and there's been tillage done and um, that ground is just so loose and so um, mellow, it just it'll just run away like uh, um, sugar, and so, uh, but you know, it's it's kind of a creativity type thing too. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we do is just like you know, boom, boom, boom. It's got to be exact this way. I mean, when you're doing a waterway, um, there's some you have some liberty as far as the the angles you take it and how you cross the field. Whether you do a waterway, let's say you have two fairly close together. Um, do we do two parallel ones or is one a little bit lower in the landscape in the profile and we can like take the soil from that fill the other one? Um, so it, you know there's a lot I don't know Hunter. hunters really he's my technician guy him and Riley Wilson now they they uh, the technology of uh, which will I guess we can talk about that a little bit too um, The technology of it now I'm kind of the one that's out there with the flags kind of looking over the land and, and seeing where we can go with it and how far we need to go up the hill and uh, where we're gonna stop it. But that gets us back to, you know, technologies. It's, it's in the conservation world the same as it is in our cell phones and TVs and audio and all that kind of stuff. Um, when I first started out, we would, I mean, there's a couple ways we were doing them when we started out. Um, we would use a hand level where you would have a rod and one person stands hundred feet away and then you look through this little um, little telescope deal and kind of get your your grade because you want to have a grade for that, and then you can read your elevations and stuff like that. Um, that was pretty basic, and we actually used that more when we were laying out terraces and contour buffer strips to kind of stay on that contour. Um, but the other one was uh, a laser level, which was uh, interesting, and we had a, a rod that would extend out 25 feet. So you would have this little beeper on the top receiver that you'd mount on there. And then you'd have this tripod with a, a laser going a little red light and that thing, you had to have it set exactly level. And it was so frustrating. Sometimes you'd be halfway across the field and then you are like, wait a minute, I don't hear the beep anymore. And you'd walk all the way back and hear that it got off level. These are the wind blew it. Or, and, uh, so that was, uh, that was always kind of fun. And then we had the, to deal with the 25 foot rod and Hunter came on the scene, he was, he got here before. Um, we went to the new GPS, uh, guided systems and, uh, so he got in on some of those, uh, rods, which, you know, we want to be pretty darn exact with that. And we're trying to think we are, but when you've got 25 foot of rod up in the air and the wind is blowing and it's going like this, you know, you got to be able to bow in it. Um, hopefully we're pretty accurate. Waterways look good anyway, but, um,
0: water always flows down. Yeah.
1: And then we'd. We'd get down to the bottom and we'd be like two, 300 feet from the bottom and we'd be like right at 25 feet. So we got a little creative sometimes on the bottom ends. But um, and then the other thing was that you had that that laser level had to see you. So if you were in a really hilly area where you were going around to bend or really way down a hill, you'd lose sight of that um, laser. So what we had to do then was to call it a turn. So we'd have to stop where we we're at, set a hub at that point go back up the hill, grab our laser level, bring it back down, and then start shooting again. One of the kind of a neat thing when we would start, we would, it was always kind of a challenge to see how low on the rod you could go for your first reading. And you'd want it under a foot at least, so wherever you'd set that. So we got pretty good at it um, for as many as we were doing so that we would, wouldn't would waste any of our rod. You wouldn't want to start at six feet on your top shot. So anyway, then we upgraded to the GPS, and you can a little bit more about the technical end of
0: what we're using now for yeah, equipment. We, we've even changed that a couple times too, I mean when we first started out we just basically had a handheld unit that you could enter in the points and, and store the points and stuff like that and since then we've transitioned to basically like a, a, a full-on tablet where you can see all the points which is amazing because you can see where the rod is and where this receiver is moving to and stuff like that. You can see all your previous points um, when you're coming back and doing cross-sections and stuff like that. Um, or laying out waterways. I know a lot of times we are staking out waterways. We'll, we'll do all the prelim survey, then you come back in the crop field six months, a year later, two years later, when they're finally ready to build it. And your flags aren't there. The gully maybe has moved a little bit. And so it's nice to have those exact points, especially when you're, we're going to see waterways when they're drawn out exactly, and you need to be within those boundaries. Um, that's that's become really important to have that. But um, yeah, those GPSs are, are, are phenomenal because you're able to store all the points basically plug it into the computer pull all the points there and start to Upload it rather than having to hand transcribe everything do all the Computations then enter it into the computer and hope you did all your math, right? I mean basically all yeah. this is is all computer driven which
1: so that you know I get back to what we were doing in the field because we have a little yellow book with all your um, sheets on it and you'd have to write all your stations down your cross-section all by hand and write down the number of them and then write down your reading and like of said you'd come back and then you'd reduce all your notes and then plug those into the computer but even before the computer um we would have uh for some of our waterways if they were under a certain drainage area, i think it was under 30 acres we would do um a calculation just on a two-sided piece of paper you put your elevation in or what no you put your um um eight drainage acres and It's been so long ago, I can't even remember what we all did. Anyway, at the bottom of the paper, it showed what your dimensions, whether it was 30 foot wide, 40 foot wide, 50 foot wide, and the depth on it. Uh, We always have at least a one foot minimum. Um, So let's say you got a 30 foot by one and a half foot waterway, that's actually kind of hard for um, equipment to cross, especially as big as it is now. You wouldn't think a foot and a half would be that, but in, in a short amount of time that your combine head goes like this and it's like that. So if we make it 40 foot wide, maybe it'll be a foot and two tenths step. So, I mean, honestly, that's not that much. I mean, uh, sometimes uh, either over, over aggressive, uh, overzealous uh, contractors might get a little deep and that's really not what, our, our, what we're trying to do. We, we want the farmer to cross those waterways. The, we want those rows to feed into the waterway so that when it does rain, the water shoots into the waterway. If you put your uh, you put end rows alongside the waterway, all of a sudden you've got all these little riffles that the water has to get over. And instead of going straight to the waterway, it starts following the rows. And then long not long after that, you've got three waterways instead of one. And the one that you need, there's no water getting to it. So um, there's some rhyme and reason to that. But um, also on reducing the notes, we used to put our plot, plot everything on graph paper. Now it was actually kind of fun because we'd have our graph paper and then you'd have your elevations and then you draw in everything. And then, so I would do all the entry on the graph paper of the readings in the field and then Shireen would come in and do her um, calculations to, to design the cuts and stuff on the profile. So we still have those in our uh, case folders, it's kind of fun to take them out. Honestly now with Riley, um, with his background and surveying and stuff, I think it'd be kind of fun just to, to take the old laser level out and show him how to reduce notes and stuff because, uh, I was doing that stuff, you well, know, almost the time he was in diapers, I think. But anyway, uh, and, um, so, uh, so anyway, the, the design end of it has come a long way. The infield, what we do has come a long way but it hasn't changed what we're addressing. The resource concern is that gully erosion, like Hunter said, the amazing amount of soil erosion that you're you're seeing from a gully. Because, so let's say in a crop field, you've got a, a gully and it's, it reappears every year. So what's usually happened is, um, you know, everybody does that they go in and do a little tillage. You know, if it's only, a, you know, six inches deep or, you know, foot deep, you know, you do that, but guess what? You come back the next year, what's happened? Whoosh! all that all that soil is gone again. So in our calculations, if we do, if there's one acre of land that has gullies on it, that's 45 tons an acre per year of soil loss. That's huge. I mean, our goal on the whole field is to try to keep it under five tons. And here in this gully, we've got 45 tons. So that's one of the main reasons that um, a lot of our conservation programs, one of the requirements is that you have all your ephemeral gully under control on your farm. And it's just because it's such a soil loss um, for that. So um, so we reduce it from 45 tons down to one ton a year by putting that grass in there, creating that nice shape. So maybe I want to talk a little bit about the shape and how um, how we design those for Mm -hmm.
0: and one thing i was thinking too when we were talking about the soil loss and stuff like that a lot of times people think oh it's down in the lowlands or in the valley it's not that good of soil that's washing down well that's wrong you're actually getting those rains it's taking those nice loamy soils that were up on the hilltops (coughs) washing those down into the valleys and then the valley taking that ephemeral gully and so really it's your best soil that's getting Mm -hmm. washed away um and sometimes yeah you maybe are able to use a scraper and, and bring it back up to the top of the hill but a lot of times it's down in the stream and heading on down to the, the Turkey River, the Upper Iowa, and then eventually into the Mississippi and, and down to the south. So,
1: Well, farming practices have changed so much. You know, even mm-hmm. 20, 30 years ago, there was a lot more tillage. there's a lot more moldboard plowing, disking, and all that kind of, so the soil was a lot more barren. So we did get a lot of migration of soils from the um, hilltops down into the valleys. One of the coolest things, especially in the hillier land, um, north, north of Cresco in that um, uh, Paleozoic area, Karst area, you get down in those valleys and you've, you drive by and it's like, oh, look, they got nice grass waterways. Well, you get out there and look at it and you'll stand in the middle of the waterway and you're probably two feet higher than the field because all this sediment. Waterways also are kind of a sediment trap, so they kind of catch some of that. But over time, that sediment gets in there. So then the farmer comes in and we're like, well, maybe we can just touch it up. But I said, no, honestly, we, we need to do a complete redo on this because I said, you've got all your good soil down here in the Valley. Let's put it back up on the side hills. So when the dozers out there uh, pushing that soil back and forth, you come back out and there's all this, this black band of soil pushed back up the side hill. And it's all that soil that was down, you know, and it could be in some of those areas you, you, you may have four to five feet of nice black soil. So that's kind of a, a little side benefit of having that. Then we get the correct uh, shape in there and, and things go, well but the other reason about the depth on them and we're so concerned about that is you know a lot of these soils um there's not a whole lot of topsoil left so if we get them to get down too deep we're going to get into some crummier soils that aren't going to do very good holding grass or growing grass so then we've just exacerbated the problem you get down into that clay and then you're going to have gullies in the waterway itself so um, in some cases where we have really shallow soils um we'll have to over dig the waterway and then push some black dirt back in there but usually we're we're pretty good if we're in that foot and foot and a half depth on on waterways
0: and those depths are, <clears throat> are designed according to a 10-year a 20-year and a 100-year storm event and so when we talk about a 10-year 20-year 100-year storm event that's those large rainfall events so i mean like a 100-year rainfall events probably like a just taking a wild guess on I don't know, don't quote me, but say a 10 inch rainfall
1: would be like your 100 year flood event. And how many 100 year events have we seen a lately? lately? A lot.
0: <laughs> um, and then you got your 20 year flood event, which is maybe like a, say a five inch rain or whatever it may be. Um, and so that way it's knowing what the, the quantity of water that this waterway can hold as it's moving down um, with the length and the amount of uh, drainage up above. And so that's, there is a rhyme and a reason why <clears throat> that we have to design these to a certain width and certain depth um, like neil said it's based on the soils it's based on the drainage area it's based on the flood events um, so it's not like we just we don't just pull a number out of our butt and, and say yep here you go and uh, so there is a rhyme and a reason to it and then um, you start to think about longevity and stuff like that i mean there is a lifespan to some of these and some of them are longer than others i mean sometimes you get 10 years and they're they they need to be redone and retouched up. Sometimes it's 20 years, they need to be redone and retouched up. Maybe sometimes it's longer. It all depends on the management of the land up above it, whether you're no-tilling, you're cover cropping, you're making those rows flow into the waterways rather than parallel with them. Um, and then obviously the rain events that we've had, um, these last few years have been pretty brutal on us. And some of the, some of those rainfalls, especially when they come and when the waterways get built, um. But it's just kind of a, a coin flip. But I would say a general rule of thumb is probably 15 years, you would say, 15 mm-hmm. to 20 years. A good waterway. If it gets built, well, you know, it's nice and seated. It's
1: interesting because with our CRP, and we'll get into some of the funding of how we, we get these funded. But some of the CRP ones that we're re-enrolling. So when I started in, you know, let's say, 2000, um, we I was building some. And then in 2010, we re-enrolled them and then in 2020. So I'm seeing some of these for the second time around. And honestly, after even 20 years, some of them look fabulous. I mean, it's all about the maintenance. I mean, they're not something you can just walk away. If you start seeing, you know, you got some bare spots in it, you got to address that. If you got some, a little bit of soil gets built up on the side, you really need to get out there and cut that off just so that water gets back in. But back to like uh, Hunter was saying with these rain events, so we've got two styles of waterways that we do. One is probably 98% of what we do. It's called a parabolic. And if you take like a sauce dish, it's got that nice um, slope um, to a curved slope to like a half moon shape. And that's called parabolic. The other one's called a trapezoidal. And the trapezoidal has a flat bottom and steeper sides on it. And the reason we have a trapezoidal is that that rain event. Sometimes a parabolic doesn't have the capacity to carry that amount of water in a certain amount of, and it's so much water per hour It can carry and so we have to make that that trapezoidal has just more capacity to carry it And we usually get on those are usually on the bottom end on a very flat waterway um, Where we have to get um, super super flat um, and get that capacity on them so um, but you know get back to like survey so like say somebody walks in they're like hey we got a um, this farm's got some erosion on it Um, you guys come out take a look so we'll go out usually we like to just drive the whole field or the whole farm and just kind of get an idea we'll have a topography map that kind of shows where the valleys and the flow lines could be Um, we look at satellite imagery because you can see a lot of this erosion um, from some of our satellite maps over the time so then we just, you know, we start setting up, Hunter, I'll set a two by two inch wood hub, which is our, um, base point that we take. And then, um, so then I can start going out there and start flagging these strips. I think we need mm-hmm. to
0: back up one quick second. Mm-hmm. When we set these hubs, we usually put them on next to a field drive or edge of a field, usually out of the way. Let me rephrase it. They're always out of the way of where you can <laughs> enter a field and we do that on purpose so that people don't drive over them, they aren't popping tires. You mark them with lath with orange paint, lots of flags and ribbons. If you see those out there, just you, leave them. Just leave them. <laughs> Please do not touch them. Please do not mow over. There's gotta be somebody out there that's just collecting these because
1: <sighs> man, it's, not, it's so frustrating. We come back and the waterway's all done and the hub's gone, the flag, everything's yeah. gone. So then we got to set a new one, and it, it kind of throws off the checkout a bit. I mean, we still have what what's built there, but it's like. Yeah, I just don't get it. I say like, if I saw some of painted orange with flags on it and, and a ribbon and stuff, i I kind of avoid it and it's like some people are just attracted to it like a moth at a light bulb. So but say
0: <laughs> please leave the hubs and laugh away. Yeah.
1: And sometimes it's like how did they drive way over there? You'll find oh. it was just smashed and it's like we're halfway in the ditch. But anyway. Anyways. So um I'm so then yeah, so then I start flagging it and then Hunter and, and Riley now they'll start coming up um the way and then So we take a shot on every hundred feet. And so let's say we're at the ditch edge. Um, We'll like take, there's usually a culvert at the bottom. So we take a shot in the culvert bottom and and then work our way up. And then every 400 feet, we do a cross section. So when we're doing, we have two different uh, surveys. We have a design survey. That's the first time we've been out. And then we have a checkout design survey or checkout survey. And that's after it's been constructed to make sure that it meets our NRCS specs for size and dimensions and slope and all that kind of stuff. But um, so we do that up the field. Um, and then on the ends, uh, we call it a rainbow. We have to, we kind of make a, and that's because of the CAD uh, program that we design in, um, draws a lot of these lines in. So we do this uh, rainbow of um, an arc of, of shots on the top end and on the bottom end. Um, so some of these farms, and we were on a farm here, this fall, and we actually mapped out 13 different waterways on one field. I was talking to Shereen yesterday, and she's, so you got to draw these little drainage areas out too, because we have to know how many acres are draining into this to help with the design in it. And uh, so when you get it done, it looks like a, a piece of piece of pie that's been cut up in a lot of shapes on on a field. Um, so anyway, we get those uh, uh, flagged out, um, come back, um, Shereen or Hunter or I. I mean, primarily Shireen, we've been pretty busy in the field collecting stuff. So, um, get into the designing of it and that, um, it's the same program that they design bridges and skyscrapers with. It's a, it's a quite a Cadillac, uh, um, information. I mean, and that's the other thing too, as far as what we hand the contractor and the landowner for designs and stuff. I mean, that packet can be, you know, a half an inch thick. There's a lot of support material in there. But uh I remember back when we used to just have a map and a little design page and you know I would highlight the with different colors, the 30, 40, and 50 width ones. Um so we've got our mapping and everything It's just fantastic. So we're honestly the quality of what we're delivering and the quality of like I said, being able to find those spots with the GPS and stuff <clears throat> to come back and reflag that. Because the other thing, we we'd really like to know at least six months to a year in, in advance. Um, When we uh, have these waterways just gives us more time to do our background checks and stuff because one of the things we do is um, To keep people in compliance anytime. We're earth moving um, Adding tile which that's another thing we can do um, is uh, we want to make sure that they have a removing trees Sometimes you got piles of rock and different things that need to be buried We want to make sure that the the, that tract has had a wetland determination on it Um, and then if it doesn't we had the farmer sign what is called an eighty uh, ten twenty-six with FSA and that just gets the ball rolling so that Ben Ken and our wetland specialist can go out and just make sure that we're not in any wet spots. It isn't so much of an issue in the crop fields because usually that's been cropped and, and tiled is for a long time. But you get into some of those areas where we're out letting we need to take tile because we can put two lines of tile to keep the waterway itself dry. And um, so we we don't want to like uh um we, we want to follow the, the same rules that farmers are required to follow when we're doing our work so anyway so that's one of the things we do but it is nice to know six months in advance because like in the spring um you know when ryan Steph and our interns are here we'll go out and you know hunter and dalton or riley will be doing something else we go out and get a lot of those check uh surveyed before the crop gets too tall because once you know the corn gets you know, up to here, we're not going to be able to see where anything is. So um, May and June is a really busy time to not only check out the ones that were constructed in the spring, but more importantly to get the new ones surveyed before the crop gets big so that we can um, uh, get that stuff designed and funded um, before fall construction. Um, You know, they used to say knee high by the 4th of July. Well, usually now by the 4th of July, it's well over my head. And um, even you know the first week of June this year was a little bit different. Um, a lot of corn planting and stuff didn't take it, take into effect. Uh, didn't get really going until May. But uh, last the year before, especially when all, everything was planted, corn and beans in April, um, we had to really book to get our stuff done before um, um, the crops. Before the crops got too big to be out there and survey. But it is nice to have it. But we do have those that that's come in. And, that's another reason I kind of like to get all that other stuff out of the way so that when we do have these, um, you know, late to the dance uh, projects, we can turn them around pretty darn quick. I mean, I've seen where a farmers come in in the morning, we get a map, double check to make sure his wetland determinations are completed. Um, then we head out and if our schedule permits that day, we'll go right out, um, start flagging stuff, get it surveyed back to Shreen, um, then check our funding and then... Uh, we get funding lined up because we have to have that funding in place before we start pushing dirt. Um, that's just a rule. Um, I'm not going to say what we used to do 20 years ago, but that's the rule now. We got to have a contract. Everything, everybody knows what's going to happen, where it's going to be, and all that kind of stuff, which is the right way to do so. um, And that's just the way the industry has changed. But um, anyway, so it's kind of nice to have all that done in, in advance, but sometimes it doesn't and we can still get some stuff turned around. It just works out super nice. But um, so, uh, okay, so we did the survey for the design. So then um, we've got contractors. We're fortunate in Howard County, we've got seven or eight uh, plus uh, people that do um, waterway um, construction. So part of what Hunter and I as coordinators is we coordinate, with the farmer picks out who they want for their contractor. We'll work with whoever they choose. We set up what we call a pre-construction meeting, where we have the design, a copy for the landowner, a copy for the contractor. And then we kind of go over that and the project. And we like to do that. You know, let's say we got fall, um, you know, we can start seeing the beans are starting to turn. I'm like, hey, we got to get our letters out to make sure everybody's getting their contractor. Um, So we have that all in place so that um, when crops are off they're ready to rock and roll so um so that's so that's kind of on the front end and then as far as um when it's time the crops come off that's where we go back out and re-reflag that if it wasn't one that we just surveyed and the flags are still there then we go back but like hunter said it was kind of a guessing game there you know sometimes it's six months plus since we've been out there things look a little bit different sometimes it's a lot different when you're looking at a field of soybean stubble and you come back after a cornfield has been combined it's a little difficult to see that especially where it's a little flatter mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we want to be as exact as possible because if we get too far off it kind of throws our design off and especially with crp those acres are contracted where that footprint of that waterway is so we want to be as close as possible and now with this new gps system it's so easy to do that so why don't you talk a little bit about the checkouts and stuff after the project's been
0: done. Yep. So once the, once the project's completed, we still need to come back and, and do another GPS survey <laughs> of, the, of the waterway that's been constructed so we know it meets our spec. Um, and it's, it's pretty close to the exact same uh, survey that we do with the, the preliminary side of it. Um, we're still taking that centerline shot every 100 foot. Um, that will give us the, the depth and the slope of it as it's running down. And then every 400 foot, again, we take a cross section. But this time we do our cross section. Um, we're going to take a, a shot halfway in between the center line and the edge, take another shot right on the edge of the waterway, and then another shot 50 foot um, past the edge of the waterway. That way we know the that whole shape of the waterway, um, make sure that that three quarter depth, what they call it, um, is where we need it so we got that nice gradual slope coming up. And it's not just like a big U shape or a V shape, yep. Um, and so that that water is able to slowly rise up and it's not creating that, that extreme velocity and ripping out the edges and stuff like that um, and so once we get all our, our survey shots like we normally would do um, bring it back we can look either right on the tablet and make sure that the elevations are, are where they need to be uh, most of the time we'll just do all do all our checkouts and then we get them on the computer and then look at them there um, I'd say 99% of the time um, the contractors do a really really good job we don't have to worry about anything. Um, obviously there is a little bit of leeway, usually a 10% um, discrepancy or change that you can have in, in the building of it. Um, just because obviously we're, we're moving dirt here, you're not going to get it right to the, the hundredth of an inch every single time, so um, we understand that and um, like we always say, water is always going to still flow downhill. Um, as long as we got that right shape, it looks good with the eye and uh, we're, we're moving in the right direction we're usually pretty good on those checkout surveys and stuff. Why
1: is it important to take that 50 foot out from the waterway and from the edge and that 50 foot one out? What's the purpose of that?
0: We do that so that we know that the water can get into the waterway. I mean, obviously we can have a great waterway shape, but if you go a foot out or two foot out or 50 foot out and the water's flowing downhill, well then there's really, we're not really doing our job. We're not getting that waterway in that concentrated flow area. So, and yep. out.
1: so that soil that we're pressing out we call it the spoil so and you can see this you can drive on to a field that has been just constructed and I'll know instantly just from experience is this gonna work or not because um, you want that spoil pressed out as far as possible and what's crazy and I didn't understand this when so when you're building the waterway I always thought well you push the dirt to the low side and fill that low end no honestly you're pushing it to the high side and, and feathering it out so that the water that's higher can cross over that spoil that you spread out. If you push it to the low side, now you've created a valley, you know, 50 to 100 feet out in the field, and that waterway water's not going to get to it. So, I, you know, so when you're driving down and you see they're working on waterways, you'll see sometimes the soil is pressed out on one side, and then on the other stretch, it's feathered out on the other um, direction, and that's just because they're the the dozer operator can see where that land is coming in and they actually know which way to spread that but um sometimes so you know we've got like the crp waterways where we're in crop fields that has crop history um, so we can use that program Um, we use a state program for especially for old waterways they may not have been built to spec or they were built to spec you know 30 40 years ago And like I said, you drive by, I've driven by farms and I was like, oh man, they got nice waterways until you get out there and you got this big hump in the middle. But sometimes you'll see where, you know, it still has a nice shape, may not have the capacity, but man, there's a gully that's like two feet deep, you know, and it's out, you know, 25, 30 feet from there. And you can kind of just look and you can just see that whole side. They just didn't press that spoil out far enough and feather it out and they've created this kind of a mound out there and then the waterway the water's not getting to the waterway so that's that's probably one of the biggest you know there's probably three things I'm really looking for when we go on a site what's the quality of the soil down the center of the waterway because we need to grow grass on there Um, do we have that spoil pressed out far enough and do we have that nice parabolic shape and not veed or Um, and that three quarter depth, that's where we get the capacity. So if you've got it, you know, got a shape, but it's got too much soil, um, on those upslopes, that's taking out the capacity. We want to kind of carve that out. So it's more rounded. Um, and then that's how you get the capacity. And like Hunter said too, you don't want to just down the center. It's going to start uh, going in the middle of the
0: waterway. Um, and that's why, um, we really try to push the contractors when they're building these to be carving it horizontally. Um, going back and forth through mm-hmm. the shape of the waterway and not going up and down the waterway Because mm-hmm. as soon as you start going up and down that's when you start to get that v-shape Maybe start to cut mm-hmm. out a little more soil in the middle than you really need to um, And so that's why it's really important And when a lot of times when you see one of the, the nicer waterways built You'll see 50 foot of sp- Soil that's been pushed on this side of the waterway and then the next 50 foot it's pushed the other way and then back and forth Well, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, really it's, it's kind of they
1: can do it like in one pass Honestly, because they're only taken out sometimes even less than a foot because sometimes you've already got some depth there yep. And you know if they can do it in one swoop and you don't disturb a whole lot of soil underneath you keep that firm So that that's gonna hold um, You know, it's just like a hot knife through butter um, and then we go out some places and it looks like a moonscape and they've been out there pushing dirt for a week and I'm like, what, What is the purpose of that? You're just burning a lot of fuel. That's
0: where sometimes the mantra of we're digging waterways no, isn't always digging. true. We're, we're, shaping, deep, we're waterways. shaping waterways. We're shaping waterways. Yeah. So like Neil said, you can make a waterway in just one pass mm-hmm. and you're not always having to dig or cut. Sometimes it's just making that little bit of shape and sometimes you're filling in the middle too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, when we hand our design sheets to the contractors, they have cut and fill quantities and so um, sometimes there is a little bit of cutting, and sometimes there is some filling to it. And so um, that's where it, it's important for the contractors to be able to read those and, and see where the cut and fill is going to be coming from. You know, communication, we've talked
1: about that before, how important that is, and the communication with the landowner and the contractor and our our designers and stuff, just so that everybody's on the same page. Because that's been something that, um, you know, and in some counties, I don't know what, Happened, people have had bad experiences. Um, They've dug waterways that are way deeper than they should have been. They either weren't designed correctly, or they, um, you know, contractors got overly aggressive on the depth. And you, you know, you've ruined your relationship with that community. And then, you know, it's just like anything else, you get um, someone starting to say they had a bad experience. So that's also a part of it is because we want that farmer to be a repeat customer and we want his neighbors also to do it because how many times have we built waterways and then a year or two later the next door neighbor says hey i see his waterways look pretty nice i want some you know it might be we're dumping water on them which <laughs> they're not getting any more water than they were getting before i always get, get, kind of chuckle at that you know when they're a little grumpy and they kind of well now we're getting all this water no, you were still getting it. It was just probably coming in at three or four different places. Now it's in the one spot where it should be. Um, but that brings more more business. Mm-hmm. And I know um, once you've developed that trust, and you know, we've talked about trust before, trust not only with the farmer but contractors. We have contractors that tell farmers to give Hunter and I a call because, hey, we can uh, help you know ease the burden of the cost of this stuff, just like everything else. There's a lot of cost. And we do have a lot of money available. So we'll probably talk a little bit about the different programs and how we fund these because we actually probably have, sometimes we have maybe four or five different ways of, mm-hmm. to cost share a waterway, depending on what the farmer wants, what is available and what they're eligible for.
0: Yep. And don't let me forget before we end this one, we got to talk about the gateway drug and how waterways have gotten a lot more projects started. Oh, so don't let us forget, talk about it that talk about that at the end, but, Yeah, so there is a ton of different ways that we can fund these, and ultimately it comes down to A, what they're eligible for, and B, what the farmer's goals or what they want to do with it. And so um, right now, honestly, even with CRP being 100% cost share and and $300 an acre, it is a complete 50-50 split of state cost share waterways and CRP um, cost share waterways. And so basically what the difference is, is if they're eligible for CRP where they've been in a crop field they've been certifying it as crop they're CRP eligible then we would go with the CRP they get the hundred percent cost share, so the whole project's paid for they're getting gonna get a 10 or 15 year rental payment no nope, its 10 10 okay I guess we can only do 10 or we could do 30 <laughs> we'll they are gonna stay there but we'll skip that. it's 10 years at so of time for a CRP waterway contract
1: yeah skip we them. no we're not
0: gonna find <laughs> um but anyways, yeah, so they're going to get that CRP payment. They're going to get the 100% cost share. Um, it's going to get built the exact same no matter what program it's in. Um, and then they're not going to be able to make hay off it is basically the, the kicker with it. And so um, if you got the next guy, on the other hand, who maybe wants to make <coughs> some hay off it or can make some hay off it. Um, or that's, run cattle on or it. Or run cattle on yeah. it. That's where then we would switch them over to the state cost share. Or they're not eligible for CRP. It's not... It doesn't have the cropping history that um, is required and stuff. And so then we'd switch them over to the state cost share. Um, and normal state cost share is 50% um, cost share. You're not going to get a rental payment. Um, if you're lucky enough to be up in the Silver Creek watershed, Neil can tack on an extra 25% for you. Um, but baseline, 50% cost share. Um, we do have options through CSP and Equip to do waterways. The only problem with that is it's just a little bit longer drawn out process. You then have to go through the ranking process. Um, Most of the time when we do it through EQIP or CSP we try to pair it with your other contracts whether it's trying to get an egg waste project or you're trying to um, improve your CSP project for a re-enrollment or whatever it may be. Um, The payments can be pretty dang good sometimes every year is a little bit different obviously um, and in that case, you're getting an incentive payment. So you're not going to get a percentage of cost share. You're going to get a well, x amount incentive it, payment. That CSP waterway. That's just that's kind of new in the last two or three
1: years ago. So we've been doing the CSP program, the Conservation Security Program. Mm-hmm. Damn, I get it wrong every time. Conservation stewardship. They call it security in the beginning, and they kept the, same, an tricks,
0: they kept the same. Old dog. They kept the
1: same acronym CSP, Conservation Security Program. And then they went to conservation stewardship program.
0: Maybe What's next they'll go conservation Stewardship anyway,
1: program. I might as well just always go with the answer I don't think is right because that's probably right. Anyway, that's a new deal. And like Hunter said, it's an incentive program and it's pretty lucrative. But what um, so when in the process of either re-enrolling someone for CSP or someone who's interested in the CSP program, which is on working ground, um, we'll probably we'll do a program on CSP down the road here we're we've got quite a few applications and we're, we're working through some rankings and stuff this winter but anyway um it's like it's an enhancement so it, it improves your score with your csp and like Hunter says it's an incentive pay. i also got to back up one moment um to the crp and how we fund that and how the waterway is funded so we say 100 percent cost share how that breaks down is it's actually 50 percent cost share for crp they add on an additional practice incentive payment of 40% towards the costs, which include. Oh, we haven't even talked about the fabric checks and erosion blanket. Let's we'll talk about that too. It takes care of the earth moving, any tile that's needed, um, fabric checks or erosion control blankets, and all the seating. So, 50% cost share, 40% for the practice incentive payment. And then something new that just came along in the last couple of years is we're doing a status review on all of our crp in the fourth year after it starts so when that fourth year if everything looks good um if it doesn't we can get some more cost share to kind of fix things up but if it does look good nothing has to be done you receive that remaining 10 percent of the cost of installing it uh four years down the road so that's how we get to the hundred percent so i just want to put a little disclaimer out there Um, it's not right up front but man i tell you what if you're dealing with gullies and that's one thing, um, the, the level of pain, threshold of pain that some people have. I mean, we've been in fields where the gullies are so deep, you'd lose a combine in them. Mm-hmm. And the next farm, I'm just like sitting there on like, where on earth are we putting this water in? We up, to tell and we come out and call the, the farmer way. and he said, well, it's so obvious. It's like right there. And it's like that big. And it's like that way. I like, all right, we get a little water there. But, um, but yeah, why deal with that? When the rental rates are so good, the cost share is so good, and I think it's just like uh, remodeling a house. So you buy a, a house that's been kind of run down, and we actually see this. I mean, a lot of times it's renters that change hands, um, or people you know pass, or family sells land. So a different operator picks it up, and they'll give us a call. Hey, I just picked up this farm. You need some TLC. And so we come out there and the first thing we do is like, where are we gonna put these waterways? Just like when we walk out to a ag waste site and we see where's this water coming, clean water coming from to keep it off our cattle lot. The first thing is like, where where do we need some waterways? And um, so honestly, I think it improves the value of the land. It it definitely improves the look of it because these waterways, um, when we design them, they're designed, they need to be mowed every year um that's huge because in our design program and this has always been the way it's been is when we're designing you can either design the waterway as mowed or unmowed when you mow them it it allows the water velocities to stay up and so it moves the water quicker so you can have a smaller waterway if you've got you know three and a half four foot tall brome grass growing in this waterway and you get a big rain there's a lot of restriction um, resistance of that grass so that and that slows the water down, rises the water, so you're going to have to have a larger waterway. So, we tell these guys if you want a 40 by 1-2 waterway or you want a 50 by a foot and a half, the difference is get out there and mow them. So, it's a requirement that they are mowed every year because we've designed them that way. Um, sometimes we're out there looking and it's like, oh man, he didn't mow his waterways. But you have to, for CRP, it has to be outside the nesting season. So, before May 15th and after August 1st. So, that's why. A lot, a lot of times on August 1st, you're going to see a lot of, of batwing mowers going around the countryside. We've got contractors that go out. If you don't have mowing equipment, they'll go out and mow them for you, and that just keeps everything in check. It keeps the grasses in better condition because they get clipped, keeps the woody vegetation from growing in them, and if you're out there with your mower and you see a gully in there, you're going to get that fixed because you're going to be able to see it and not wait You know, 10 years so we come back out, and then we found a two foot deep gully in the center of your waterway and your tiles are exposed and it's a big mess. Um, so anyway, so that was a disclaimer on the funding part of that. So we've got the CRP funding, we've got our state cost share, we got CSP and EQIP. Equip will pay for it too. Um, and sometimes if we have a, a really large waterway that's going to need a tile, uh, um, especially if it's a beginning farmer, um, we can get an enhanced incentive. So this would be in place of uh, of a state cost share waterway, usually, um, because the there would be no. I mean, obviously, you're not going to beat CRP waterways for cost um, cost share and that rental payment of you know three hundred dollars an acre it is right now. We'll see where it goes. Um, we'll be we'll be finding out what the new rates are for the coming year soon. But um, yeah, there's no reason for anyone to have to deal with that. And like I said, you, it just improves the look of the land. Um, man, we've been talking about some major transformations. Um, what was that one TV show where they used to transform houses? To, uh, fixer upper. Fixer. Yeah. Something like that. I guess they got there's all kinds a, of there's stuff. All kinds. There's all kinds, but man, it's just like, like I said, you're going into this old house you bought and you're remodeling it and you put those, like I said, the infrastructure of the land, getting those waterways put in just like a highway, highway, waterway one um, and um, it just you've got all that concentrated flow tank here so this is really cool so when we after a major rain event you know we've talked to different uh people who you know have seen the improvement with no till and cover crop but the other thing is grass waterways when you drive through the landscape and you look out on a field and you can see where the water is flowing and it's coming down the it's going to the waterway it's coming out and it's coming out pretty darn clear at the edge of the field and dumping into the ditch what happens when you've got a big field that had a big rain on it all that soils moved it didn't stop at the fence line sometimes it does and your fence post about six inches tall now but it gets it it plugs the ditches it plugs the the culverts and when we visit with the county our county supervisors every january that's one of the things we're talking about is how do we keep that soil out of the ditches and out of the culverts because guess who gets to pay for moving that soil when the county has to come in and clean those ditches it's all us taxpayers so by controlling that erosion it's a it's a incentive to the farmer to do it it's a it's a, a huge win-win for everyone involved the farmer the soil and water quality the county not having to maintain those ditches and all that kind of stuff so um yeah so those are those are primarily our probably five ways now that we can much fun waterways, so um, that's pretty pretty dang cool.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I didn't forget about it. We're going to talk about. I like to call it the gateway drug mm-hmm. um, because we've always talked about it. And a lot of times we're at conferences and meetings and stuff like that. Magic question: How do you get things done? How do you continue down the road of success? All that sort of stuff. And honestly, it almost not always, but a very high majority of the time, it usually started with just doing a simple waterway. Mm-hmm. Um, And you can go ahead and talk about that because you've done it how many times that's kind of yeah,
1: exactly I mean, what better way of um, I mean first off we've got a lot of funding We're gonna get these funded and we're gonna fund them whether it's CRP or state cost share We don't get them funded in the spring We'll get them funded by the fall and they're simple to do there's a lot of contractors that will do it We're you know, I would say we're experts in going out and getting that stuff and getting the process done so it's a good um, process for you so know i've done you know i've done waterways for people that i don't know if they're testing me or they're just testing the system you know we do a little waterway here and then they come back and then they'll want to talk about the csp program or we're going to talk about a windbreak or we're going to talk about doing a a half a million dollar manure pit um it's it's just an easy way to transition into doing farming in a different way and i've spoken to um, especially beginning Project coordinators, new project coordinators. I'm like, what, you know, you, like, we, and we talked about CRP a little while ago about how many different practices there are. Waterways. If you want to do something simple, do grass waterways and buffer strips. Right there, two very simple things. And um, like Hunter said, it's like the gateway drug to conservation because it's simple. We're here to help you. Um, and like I said, the contractors send people in our way. Um, you know one of the most some of the most satisfying things are um, you know we we try to have a pretty good handle on who owns all the land or operates it and there's still times is like there's so much out there and there's some so many you know that changes too and but um, there's nothing more satisfying is having someone come in the office and they say hey I need a waterway and you're, you know you asked well what tract is it on and you we go back to the back room and pull their full fold, case folder out of the drawer and I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, that was kind of familiar. And then I was like, oh man, that's a field I have been looking at for 20 years with a gully in it. And man, I really want to, um, it so satisfying to get, it's like those, especially we run right out and, and get those rolling. Um, and you know, once we just got such a workload, it's hard for us to do cold calls or just send out estimates to people. But usually it's word of mouth contractors, neighbor to neighbor. Um, and as long as you get a good replication um, They know that you're you're gonna be with them or all the whole step away We're working with one landowner who is an absentee and I'm not sure if he lives in Texas or New Jersey um, Anyway, uh, you know most everything we're doing communication is over the phone via email things like that. So um, They're trusting us to take care of this for them and making sure that it's done, right? So It's a big responsibility. It's a um, it's a big um um workload for us, but it's a very satisfying one. It's probably one of the most visible things. You know, even before I started working here, I never noticed waterways and fields or I mean you know it's gullies and water running. But um boy, now after I've been involved and you know we we do these reenrollments and I remember, well, we've talked about that before. I got this photographic memory. I mean I can remember what it looked like before and you come back out and it still looks good. Um and then we go from the infrastructure of that field that we <clears throat> start talking to them about reduced tillage and now the big push on cover crops. Um, you know, honestly, if you're, you want to do cover crops and you've got these big gullies going across the field and like, man, I think yeah, it's good, but it'd be so much better if we take care of that, a major erosion problem be, be, to begin with. And then, you know, then start into the no-till and uh, the cover crops, because you'd start, you treated the, the um, concentrated flow areas now we're treating the upland and man now we're now we're cooking because we've got um some amazing looking farms and oh and getting back to that where we we got the big rains and we got all the waterways and the ditches are nice and clean you can drive around the state and after a big rain i'm not going to point figures but Man, there's nothing worse that you see a big rain and you see these big cuts and you get these alluvial fan. That's even worse. I mean, not only have you washed away the the crop that's in that gully, but where'd all that soil de- deposit at? <clears throat> it's all that deposition is on on the bottom end of the field, which is now this deep with uh, nice loamy soil. And your corn was three inches tall. And now you got eight inches of soil on top of it. That doesn't exactly work out either or it washes all the corn stalks and stuff down to the to the edge of the field so anyway I'm always excited about waterways that's I get to construction season I get kind of excited Um, but like I said we're out there right now we're surveying Um, we just bought some nice new um, winter coats matching me and Hunter and Riley so you see some guys out there in these bright lime green uh, jackets or coats and it's 10 degrees out. We're out there still surveying waterways. <clears throat> this year, I think we've got about 35 waterways that we got contracted that we're in different stages of construction. So um, we'll be out there probably till January. As long as the snow is not deep, we can get out there and get these um, waterways either surveyed for new ones for spring or get those uh, checkouts done. Um, but, you know, I'd much rather be out there and. Um, in the spring when it's nice and warm and early summer and the sun's on your face. But, um, we worked around the, <clears throat> we're kind of like the mailman. We're out there in all types of weather. So, um, you got any needs about, uh, your gullies on your farm. Um, we do <laughs> free estimates too. So that's part of our job. Um, and hopefully it's something that you'll, um, appreciate. And sometimes you might think you might just need one. We get out there and eh, might need another one here or there. Might as well get it all done while we're there and get it done
0: one swoop. Absolutely. There's no job too big or too small. Give us a call. Um, stop in the office. Show us what you're thinking. Um, like you said, we're always willing to go out there and take a peek at it with you and, and give, us, give you our two thoughts and then what we think we could do and stuff like that and then lay out the, the program and what we could offer. So.
1: Yeah, we didn't quite finish up after we've done that checkout so um, obviously in the spring is the best time to get your seeding done that seeding is usually a grass mix it's got to have at least 25 percent of the mix has to be brome or solid brome Um, another thing we do is um, these erosion controls uh, type things Um, one is fabric checks and that's where we go every 50 75 or 100 foot and we put um, two-thirds of the way across the waterway, we plow in uh, uh, some fabrics, kind of like that landscaping fabric and it just lays flat. <clears throat> and the idea of that is so when the rain water does flow over, it, it kind of spreads it out. and doesn't allow the, the gully to work up as it's getting um, uh, formed. And also on these steeper f- slopes or where we got a lot of flow, what we've been using now is a, an, a straw erosion blanket, and those get stapled down into the soil. Those do a really good job. Um, a little more pricey, but <clears throat> sometimes with those high flow areas and super steep areas, the whole idea is to get a good catch of grass in those first formulative um, um, establishment time. Um, and then the other thing too is in the fall, um, you know, it's, you can do a dormant seeding after January 15th. But sometimes just with that flow of water in the spring, it kind of washes it out anyway. But what we really like to see is get some uh, winter rye or cereal rye on there. And if it's done early enough in the fall, you can already start seeing that greening up or um, especially right away in the spring. So we get that first green up and anything to kind of hold the water or hold that soil in place while that grasses
0: are established. Absolutely, that's probably the most important part is getting those <clears throat> grasses established. So.
1: And mowing them after, you know, mm-hmm. clipping those oats off or in the spring. Those first, especially with CRP waterways, first two years of establishment, you can mow them once a month if you need to, and uh, like I said, after that, once they're established, we want those mowed at least once a year.
0: Absolutely. So there we go. Trying to solve soil erosion one waterway at a time. Obviously, we've done a lot of them, but um, we're never gonna get them all done. That's I know some. I can't remember who it was. Someone mentioned at the <laughs> conference. They're like, "Oh, you guys are run out of waterways to do." No. <laughs> Honestly, never I thought happen.
1: that to myself like four years into this job I said man we're gonna get all these waterways done in the county and no there's every every day you know some you know we probably get three or four requests a week to take a look at stuff and and uh, there's there's a lot of work that still needs to be done whether it's new ones or um, some of these that have, have lost conditions
0: so absolutely well there we go grass waterways 101 if you, uh, if you didn't learn something on this one, I think you uh, either fell asleep or you weren't paying attention because a lot of good information. Uh, one of the easiest practices in the book um, and, and the money's right for it. it it's, it's always a good thing to, to control those uh, gullies and the ephemeral gully erosion and stuff like that and what better way to have a little bit of monetization towards it and, and help you out getting it installed. So um, if you got any gullies on your field that you want to take a peek at, give us a call, stop on in. Um, We'll do the best we can. So don't be shy. Um, Come on in and let us know what you're thinking. Um, You're not the only one out there with gully erosions. Obviously pretty much everyone has them in some shape or form. Um, And we're just here to to try helping you out and get those established and, and make a nice shape out of it. So thanks for tuning in for another episode of Beyond the Dirt.